As I go, take your Bible and turn to the book of Psalm with me. We're in Psalm 25, continuing in the series that we've been doing already two weeks this month, and we'll do through the rest of this month. Much of what I want to share with you today has a lot to do with even what uh, the theme of what Romy saying to us, and we think about this, that uh, we as believers have a common experience, that is, we have all come to faith in Christ Jesus by the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and together we have been called to walk as the children uh, of God. We're the church. But also in a very real way, we individually, as individual Christians, have been called to a walk in Christ. And that may look completely different than the individual walk of someone else in your life or someone else that you admire, maybe someone else that you know. God is speaking to us and wants to speak to us as His, yes, corporate people, but also as individual believers who put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. And we've been looking at this here in Psalm 25, the truth of, of what God has for us and, 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 and where God may be leading us. And also speaking of a, uh, through the prayer of the psalmist here, uh, hopefully what would be the desire of our heart when it comes to what God wants to do in our life. So let's look at this verse, verses 1 through 5. Here's what is written for us. It says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed to deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. This morning what we're going to be looking at is the passage right in the middle of verse 4 and 5, right at the beginning of verse 5 actually, and where he says, lead me, lead me in your truth. And teach me. Another word that's used in other translations here is guide me. Guide me in your truth and teach me. And we go back to verse 1 every Sunday morning for this purpose. There needs to be a desire in my heart and your heart that these things be so in our lives. We begin by looking two weeks ago. God, show me your way. And we talked about, do we really have that desire within us that we want God to show us His way? Because the Bible says, God's way is not our way. Man has a tendency to go their own way, which is contrary to God. And it is a, it is a huge request to say, God, show me your way. And God knows the intent of our heart. And He knows that whether we just lift these words, God, show me the way, show me your way, because it's what we are required to do as Christians, or is there something really in our heart where we desire for God to show us His way? I'm going to, we talked about this. If God shows you and I His way, it's going to shake up our world. And the psalmist says, God, to you I pour out my heart. It's not just some little lipping some request, some, some little thing that we say, some little Christian uh, statement that we make. It really is, is from our heart, God, we want to know your way. And then last week we talked about, not only do God, do we need you to show us your way, that is what is most important to you, 
But God, we also need for you to lead us in the path or to show us the path. To show us the path. And we talked about the distinction here. God's way. Here's a, here's a way of God. We talked about this. God says that my way is that you're to love me with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and you're to love your neighbor as yourself. That's God's way. God's path is how God has called us to do that. And we may do it corporately or we may do it individually. That is, that God's going to show me each day how I am to fulfill His way in my life. How am I to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and body? How am I to love my neighbor as myself? God will not only tell me what His way is, God will show me His path to accomplish that way. Now, if you haven't noticed something, we're building something here. We're building something in this verse because that's what the psalmist does. He begins with the request, God, show me your way. Now, God, now that you've shown me your way, now, God, direct me in your path. How do I accomplish what you've called me to do? Or what is the path that you have told me to go down to fulfill your way in my life? Because God may have a path for me that He doesn't have for you. God may have a path for you that leads you across the world. And He may have a path for someone else that He wants to stay right here. And we have to have that desire in our heart not only to know God's way, what is most important to Him, but to have God show us His path. It does matter what we do. It also matters how we do what we do. So God is not just a God who says, here's my way, do the best you can with it. He's a God who says, here's my way, and here's the path that I have for you to accomplish what I want you to do. Now we move to the next step of this. And what we're looking at today. He says, lead me or guide me in your truth and teach me. Here's the next step in this. Lead me or guide me in your truth. Now go back to verse 1. Is it our heart's desire that God not just show us His way, not just show us the path that we are to take individually and corporately to fulfill His way, but do we really want God to guide us in His way on His path? Do we really want God to guide us? You know what that means? That means to... That something needs to be fulfilled in my life and your life. That is what Paul says. Do not be drunk with wine which, in, in, which is dissipation, but be what? What's he saying in Ephesians? Be what? Y'all are mumbling. You know, one day I'm going to mumble the way you do at me. But to be what? Filled with the Spirit. Or controlled by the Spirit of God. Or led by the Spirit of God. Or guided by the Spirit of God. There has to be this desire in our life, not only to say, I want to know what the way of God is, and I, and I want to know the path that God has for me, but there also has to be this willingness to submit ourselves to the leadership or to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because we cannot ever possibly fulfill God's way or walk the path that God has for us apart from the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. Do you understand that? We need Him all the time in every circumstances. We need Him to guide us. We need Him to lead us. We need Him 
to be who He is or should be in our lives. There has to be that desire within us. There are so many Christians who have no intention of submitting themselves to the Holy Spirit. And they live their lives somehow believing, well, I, I understand this. I, I, I can read. I understand that I'm supposed to love God and I, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. And, and I understand the other ways of God. I read them. I can, you know, I can comprehend. I've been to school and stuff like this. And, and, and I understand which path. I know God wants me to love this person and this is how He wants me to love this person. And so, we never say this to God, but our actions speak louder than words many times. We say, and so, I'm about to impress God with how I can love Him. And I'm about to impress God with how I can love my neighbor as myself. And I'm about to impress God in, in showing Him that I can walk the path that He's put before me. Put it out there, God. I can do it. There's never a time, I'm going to just be as straightforward as I, that that's allowed in the Christian life. Because when that happens in the Christian life, then we are not living the Christian life. We're no different than the Pharisees when that occurs in our life. When we think the strength is found in us, the ability is in us, when we think that we exist to impress God or to perform for God or, 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 or to impress other people with our piety and our religiosity, that, that has nothing to do with biblical Christianity at all. All of this works together. It's not enough to know the way of God. Yes, I must know the way of God. It's not enough for me to know the path that God has for me. Yes, I need to know God's path for me. But if I go that way and down that path on my own, nothing of God is going to happen. Nothing of God is going to happen. And I wonder how many Christians find themselves... I think we stop at number two. God, I need to know Your will for my life. We pray. God shows something to us. Says, okay, God, thank You for that. I'm gone. That's where we stop. And we stop there in the church. We stop there in our individual walks with Christ. We stop there when it comes to our family. We stop there when it comes to our finance. We stop there in so many different areas where we say, God, just show me your way, give me the path, and now God, stand back and watch me do it. That's not Christianity. That is not biblical faith. But it is what happens more times than not in the evangelical church today. And it is what is being taught from many of our pulpits today. Trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. Trying to, to man up or cowboy up. Whatever term you want to use there. And try to do the best that you can. That's not Christianity. Because the best that I can is unacceptable to God. And if the best I can do was acceptable to God, to God then Jesus didn't need to come for me. You understand that? the best I can do is acceptable to God, then I have no need of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I've said this before, and it's, to me it's a very tragic statement. I fear that much of what our churches are doing, our churches across the board are doing, they could do even if the Holy Spirit was not even a church, because it happens every week that way. God never let it be that in our individual life or our corporate life as a church that we ever get to the place where we... we, we we do what we do apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you this. How's your life going? I'm going to ask you this. How's our church going? When it comes to this matter. You say, we, we know what the way of God is as a church. I think we have an idea of the path of God. But I fear 
that we have somehow refused to submit ourselves to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And yet all three have to work, folks. If we're going to be God's people, if we're going to be the Lord's church here in Fountain Hills, if we're going to be God's people individually in our family units and and walking as individual Christians, we must, we must, it is of a necessity that we not only know God's way, His path, but that we submit to His guidance. How many of you have ever been on that path that God has put you on and you were surprised by what you found on that path? And every once in a while, God brings something along that path that you're on that you have to say, I can't deal with this. And we have to turn to God. It's a shame that it has to work that way because we have a tendency to be dense when it comes to this. It's a shame that we can't just trust God and begin on that path under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We have to get on that path. Something has to happen. And then we turn to God and say, God, I need your help. When the reality is, we needed His help when we got on the path. We needed And a lot of the trouble that we find on, our, on, on the path of life are a result of you and I not starting on that path under the guidance of the Holy Spirit of God. Part of our prayer to God is not just to know His way, not just to walk His path, but we need Him to guide us down the path to walking His way. That's why He says there in verse 5, Lead me or guide me in your truth and teach me. God is ready to lead us. God is ready to guide us. He's looking for people who will listen to Him. He's looking to a people who will pour out their heart to Him the way the psalmist describes here and says, Lord, I, need, I desperately need You. Let me ask you this. How many of you really believe this morning? Don't raise your hand, but think about this. How many of you really believe this morning that you des listen, not that you just need God, but that you desperately need God in your life? Desperately. Have we come to that place? Have we moved beyond that place? For we we really don't we like having God there. We're glad that He's a part of our life. We're glad that every once in a while we can go to Him and ask Him what is and what we need to do and, and get His okay on what we've already decided we're going to do anyway and assume that we have His blessing upon our life. And we say, God, thanks. Thanks for being the big guy who's always there. What a terrible, terrible approach to our Holy Father who is awesome beyond my comprehension, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or even imagine. What a terrible, terrible way to approach Him. The one who spoke that which is into existence. The one who with one word could stop everything that is. The one who wants to be intimately involved in your life because He is your Father. And He does love you. When's the last time in your own individual life that the realization that you 
desperately needed Jesus, that you desperately needed the Father, that you desperately needed the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. When's the last time you were desperate for God? God has become a convenience in our religious walk. When it's convenient, God, I'll call to you. When it's convenient, God, I'll listen to you. God, when what you say to me fits in with what I've already decided, then, God, I will obey what you say. God is not a convenience. He's God. And we've lost something concerning the impact of what we've done to our own walks, to our own families, to our own churches. Because we approach God in such a way as, God, I'm glad you're there. You're convenient to me. But we've lost the sense of desperation. Desperation for God. I don't want to become morbid, but why not? Have you ever sensed your own mortality? Ever thought about your own mortality? You know, the Bible says that life is but a vapor. We're here for a moment and then we're gone. We've all lost loved ones who were here with us for a while but have gone on to be with Jesus or gone on. And they were here and their life was significant when they were here and, and God used them to bless our lives and stuff. But it's interesting that after they're gone for a while, our life moves on. Think about all the people who've lived before. And there's something within us. I don't know what it is. We really think we're invincible somehow. It's hard for us to deal with our own mortality. We have made ourselves God of our own lives, and, 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 and we think we're in a lot of control of things we're not in control in. How quickly? How quickly? Why? Just this last week in this, in this community, we had... A young man, mid-30s, skydiving. Some of you know the Hardens. Wonderful Christian couple, skydiving. Gets killed in the, in the skydiving. Children dying in backyard pools. Happen all the time. All these things happen all the time. Shala shares with me, uh, me and her mother about a young man, not, not old, in his 20s, prostate cancer. Oh, that only happens to old men. Cancer is no respecter of persons. We lose a sense of what it's all about when we lose a sense of how desperately we need God. He is, or should be, everything to us. And we desperately need Him to guide us in His way down his path. You and I need to understand something. God is not like an eagle. I've seen the stories about eagles and stuff. When it's time for the for the baby eagles to leave the nest, you know what the mama eagle does? Gotta love the mama eagle. Up there on that high cliff or in that high tree, you know what the mama eagle does? And you either fly or you die. Listen. God never, God does not intend 
it is not God's way to push us out of the nest and say, do the best that you can on your own. God never intended for us to walk this walk alone. Never. Whatever the path He has you on, He never intended for you to walk that alone. By the way, He has some promises for you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Your path may be difficult. You may go through hard times. But He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. The whole world may forsake you, but I'll never leave you or forsake you. God never intended for us to do it alone. If somehow we've got this in our heads, that's what Christianity is, that we prove that we can do it on our own, that we prove that we can be strong. Rather than following what the psalmist says here and praying from the depths of our heart, God, guide me. Guide me and teach me your truth. God intended for us to go His way, to walk His path, but He always intended to be our guide on that path. Daily, hourly, moment by moment, needing the Holy Spirit. When do I need the Holy Spirit? In what aspect of my life do I need the Holy Spirit? What are the issues that I need Him? Um, What does He need to be involved in in my life? As I think about all the different parts of my life. Well, I can think about family, and I can think about finances, and I can think about leisure time, and I can think about my church time, and I can think about work time, and I can think about all these things. Which of those categories do I need the guidance of the Holy Spirit? And the answer is everything. There is no such thing as a schizophrenic Christian, but there are many who act like there is. There are many who say, here's my secular life and here's my sacred life. God, you be involved in my sacred life. Holy Spirit, you guide me in that which is sacred and let me just live my secular life over here. To the born-again Christian, all things are sacred. You mean my job is sacred? Yes, it is. My family? Yes, they are. My leisure time? Yes, it is. There's nothing in the life of a Christian that is not sacred unto God. That is, because you have been set apart unto Christ, then everything that God has called you to has been set apart unto Christ. Everything. Everything. Which again speaks to the great need and the warning that we have that we are not to join ourselves with that which is unholy. Because our life has been made sacred unto God. It changes my whole mind. My whole process. My whole vision of the world. When I begin to see life as being sacred unto God. And the great need that I have for the Holy Spirit to be involved in all of that thing. We had a young deacon in our church in Mesa. Not always understood. Rarely understood. But he had this concept down. And a lot of us who had been in the faith a lot longer took a while for some of us to get it. He had this approach to life that that just was annoying, to tell you the truth. And it was annoying not because it was wrong. I think it was more annoying because it was right. And, And because it was so right, it challenged the rest of us to look at who we were, what we were doing, and how we were walking. And we don't like that. But Paul had this way, his name was Paul Zarnicky, he had this way, and it wasn't flippant. He had this way of saying, I will do that if the Lord leads. I'll be there if the Lord leads. Or, brothers, understand this, if I'm not there on Sunday, it's because God has led me 
somewhere else. Or if I'm a little bit late and I'm talking to someone about Jesus. He, I mean, he lived his life that way. He actually lived his life when he'd come to intersection, not going to work, I guess. He would say, Lord, do you want me to turn right or do you want me to turn left? Lord, do you want me to talk to this person? Lord, do you not want me? You say, that, that seems a little bit insane. Well, I think it seems insane to us because we don't do it. We want God to tag along for the ride. God, I'll make every decision for my life. And God, by the way, I do need your blessing in some of these things. I do. Okay? And God, you certainly don't want to, you know, you don't want anybody to think any less of you, less of you so God, please bless me. How little do we think of God when we de- determine our own way and then ask God to bless it? Instead of asking Him to be our guide. God intends to be our guide. Let me share some passages of Scripture with you. Take your Bible and turn to John chapter 14. And I want you to see that it's always been God's way or His intent to be there with us as His children. John chapter 14. I want to read for you verses 16 through 18. Here's what He says. Jesus speaking here. He says, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper. That he may abide with you how long? How long? What's it say? You know how long forever is? It's forever. It really is. And that, I want you to understand. That means God is saying, or Jesus is saying, I'm going to pray the Father that he will give you a helper who will abide with you forever. Present and future tense. That you will have the Holy Spirit, and once you have the Holy Spirit, He's not going to come and go in your life. What's He going to do? He's going to abide with you forever. And I love how Jesus used that term abide. See, we don't want God's Spirit to abide with us. We don't mind Him living in the back room somewhere where He's like the embarrassing uh, stepbrother or something like that. Okay? We don't want people to see you. Okay? But you stay there. You're okay. But we don't want the public to see you. But what Jesus says is He will abide with you. We read on. Verse 15. Excuse me. Verse 17. Here's what He said. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him for He dwells with you and will... Excuse me. Dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18. Wonderful verse. What's He say? I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. It's always been God's plan, always been God's intent in the life of His children that we be guided in the way of God down the path of God. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We desperately need Him to speak into our lives every day. We need Him to take authority in our lives, to take lead in our lives, to guide us. Remember, the word, the word guide, and, and, and actually what, what, what he says here in Psalms, he used the word lead. You cannot, how do you lead? When someone leads, who's in control? When someone leads, who's in charge? When you have team leaders, who's, in, who's, in, who's leading? Who's, who's, who's directing the way? The lead is. That's, that's what the definition of the term is. God has called us to, to, to trust in Him 
to desire his leadership or his guidance in our life. And he says, this has been part of my plan all along. And I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. I will send the spirit of truth to you. And the world cannot know him because the world cannot see him. But you know him because he is with you and he says, and he is in you. Another verse, John chapter 16. Turn over to John chapter 16 and verse 7. Jesus again speaking here. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It has been part of God's plan from the beginning that we have the helper, the guide, the leader in our life. And Jesus, gathering with his disciples here, he says to them, I'm about to leave you guys. And you know, that had to crush their heart. Lord, where are you going to go? I mean, our, Lord, we've given you our life for the last three years, and you're about to walk away. What, what's going to be left for us? You know how we are. We're, we're, God, what about me? Lord, what about me? What am I going to do? And Jesus, loving these men, he says, guys, listen. And I know this is paraphrasing, but I think he just talked to them. And, you know, he said, he said, guys, listen. It's better for you. And isn't it wonderful when you think about what God's plan is for your life? God always wants that which is better for you. He's your father. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. Now, sometimes from our perspective, we can't perceive how these things we're going through is what's better for us. Like these guys couldn't see, how could it possibly be better for Jesus to leave us right now? We need you, Jesus. We need you. What they couldn't understand is, when he left, and when he sent the helper, listen, they would have more of Jesus then than they did with him standing right in front of them. That makes sense to you? They would have, had, they would have more of Jesus because Jesus left, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and sent His Holy Spirit, they would have had more of Jesus than, than they had when Jesus was sitting there incarnate. They couldn't see it. They couldn't understand it. But it was part of God's plan to send the one who would guide them, who would lead them. One other verse. Go back, uh, excuse me, go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Familiar passage of Scripture. You say, well, how does this apply? Well, listen to what he says here. He says, But you, speaking of the believers, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, or be witnesses to me, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Look what Jesus is saying here. Part of God's plan. And you shall receive power, the power of God, when what happens? When the Holy Spirit comes upon, me, con, comes upon you, and you shall be made witnesses of who? What's he say? Witnesses of me. Not witnesses for me. He was specific in what he says here. And by the way, you studied Hebrew and Greek, you know, while Hebrew is a picturesque language which leaves a lot of room for translation, Greek is very specific. And when he says, witnesses of me, that's exactly what he meant. We have this idea. We have this idea again, again, for me. I'm doing it for you, God. It's not. We need the Holy Spirit. We need that guide to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. We often think that I'm a witness of my own Christianity. Don't we? 
I am a witness of my own Christianity. So I do the best I can so people can be impressed with my Christianity. And maybe if they're impressed enough of my Christianity, then maybe they will receive my Christianity. And then we make them little clones of ourselves. Sounds more like what the Pharisees did than what the apostles did. Jesus says, you blind leaders of the blind, you whitewashed sepulchers, you brood of vipers, what you do is you go out and you find you, you beat the bushes to find a proselyte, someone that you want to win to your way. And you finally win them to your way, and then you make them twice the son of hell as you are. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus. Isn't it good to be a Pharisee? Isn't it good to be someone who keeps the word? Man, I'm glad there's no Pharisees in the church today. I'm glad that's not our approach. But is it not our approach? Haven't we taught people in witnessing training that that's what it's all about? You go out and you impress people with your Christianity so that maybe they'll respond to your call to be just like you. Rather than walking and living every day, every place, as witnesses of Christ because you're being guided by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing the doors Jesus will open when we'll just submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and follow His leadership. Holy Spirit, I need You to lead me because I don't know where I'm going. And I don't... I, I, may, I, may, I may understand the path that You have me on, but Holy Spirit, I don't know what's going to happen on that path. I don't know who's going to come along my way. And it's an interesting thing as we are guided by the Holy Spirit down the path that He is leading us down... He's going to bring people along that path. And we're going to be open to what He wants to do in their lives. And witnessing and serving won't become a duty. It will become who we are. Because the Holy Spirit is leading us. So I don't care where you work. I don't care if you don't work. If you're retired, if you're just starting out, if you're in school, if you're a stay-at-home mom, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you in every area of your life. We've got to learn this, folks. We have turned it all around. We want to lead God. We want to direct God. We want to tell God, God, here's where you need to be working. Here's how you need to be working. God, listen to me. I can, I can, I can straighten things out for you. God, if you'll just listen to me. Isn't that amazing? Incredible audacity to think that we could do that, yet we do it. Yet, can I ask you, how many of you have ever messed up something in your life by a decision that you made on your own? Let me ask you this. How many of you have, is there anybody in here who has never messed up their life through making a decision on their own? By the way, what I want to tell you is because you and I are in the same boat when it comes to that. Let me just tell you something you, you, we need to understand. That means we are disqualified from making decisions. Don't like that. I'm free. I've got choices. I can make my own decisions. And we do all the time, and our lives are messed up. Our families are messed up. Our churches are messed up. We're dying on the vine. Remember what Jesus said about His church? He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Preach it. I like that. Gates of hell. You know what the problem is? We're so busy messing up our own churches that we don't even deal with the gates of hell. 
The promise was that the gates of hell would not prevail against us. When's the last time we went to the gates of hell? Look at where Jesus went. He went right into the teeth of the beast. We taught our people, you stay away from the teeth of the beast. You pull back. Because you don't want to get stained by the world. You don't want to be influenced by the world. You know, we're, we're supposed to be separate from the world. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. But that separation from the world is not you and I just pulling back from the world. It's you and I being separate in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, as He takes us out into the world. For the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. We need Him every day. Don't put Him in some back room and pull Him out just when it's convenient to do so. We need Him every day. Well, as I close this out this morning, I want you to see how He wants to answer our prayer. I mean, if it really is a prayer, as we begin, if it really is a prayer that I desire from the depth of my heart for God to guide me all the time by His Holy Spirit, I want you to know He's already answered that prayer. And I also want you to know what it looks like. And not from my, just from my finite perspective, but from what the Scripture itself says. John chapter 16, go there. And I want you to see what Jesus says it looks like and the promise of answered prayer to the Christian who sincerely understands that we desperately need the Holy Spirit of God to guide our life and to lead us. Look with me at verses 13 through 15, and here's what he says. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, Look what he says. What's the first thing he will do? He will guide you into all truth. Who is your guide to truth? How many different truths are there? There really is. There's only one. How do you know what's true and what's not true? You know, there's a lot of people teaching things that are true that are not true. But they sound true. He... Well, what? He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but He will... I love this. But whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. Verse 14. He will glorify Me. For He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. What's it look like when the Holy Spirit is guiding us? He will guide you into all truth. What's it look like when the Holy Spirit is, is guiding us and leading us? He will take that of Christ. He will take that of our Saviors. He will take that of our Messiah. And He will give it or He will reveal it to you and I. Verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that He will take of mine and declare it to you. You know what opens up? heaven to the believer? The person of heaven? The power of heaven? The provision of heaven? You know what opens that up to the believer? It's not a thing. It's God. 
And God doesn't just want you to have the things of heaven. God wants us to have Himself. And in Him, the Bible says, we are made whole. Think about it. It doesn't say in the things that He gives us we're made whole. In the things that He does, it doesn't say in the things that He does we're made perfect. It says, in Him, we are made whole. In Him, we are made perfect. And the promise of this guide, this Spirit who is God, that we desperately need in our life, and not only in a portion of our life, but in every area of our life, is that God has intended to give Himself to you as His child, as His disciple, as his church. Do you understand that that, what, that is what distinguishes between a genuinely biblical church and another religious institution? Do you understand that? Man is good at being religious. Man is good at doing things that, that they have assumed that God has called them to do or that a book has told them to, to observe. It's a whole nother matter when we come to the place where we realize that what this is all about is that God has chosen to reveal Himself in our lives. And we use terms like a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and we let that just flow off of our tongues very easily, and we miss the whole point. The greatest thing that could ever happen in a human being's life is to experience and know God. Not the things of God, but to know God. And don't, can we understand that in knowing God, in trusting God, in having a genuine relationship with God, then all the things of God flow out of that. But you see, we go after the things of the Father rather than going after the Father. And we'll close with this thought. We're too much like Esau. We're too much like him. I'll have some of the Father's stew, but I'll neglect the Father. God has called us to Himself. He's not called us to a religion. He's not called us to an institution. He's not called us to an organization. He's not called us to do the best that we can do now that we are saved. He's not called us to, to, to follow Him or the Holy Spirit to the place of salvation and then go on our own. He's called us to Himself. And the reason we're missing the abundant life in the church today is we have become our own guides. We know God's way. We know the path that He has for us, and we have determined how we're going to how we're going to go down that path. We're going to do it on our own. We're going to impress God, and we're going to impress man. It's not until we're broken to the place that we realize I can't do it. That pride is cast aside. And that we say, God, I desperately need you every hour, every moment, every second. I need you. And I need you to guide me. Because if you don't guide me, Father, I'm going to get desperately lost. And I may even be on the path, but I'm going to mess up what you've called me to do on that path. Church, time to to leave religion. Time to cast it aside. Time to quit worrying so much about being a proper organization 
that we miss the one who's called us unto himself. You say, well, Pastor, you're asking for disorder. Oh, no. Do you understand how much disorder there is in a people deciding the best way to do what they feel needs to get done? Seems like it's orderly, but really it's messed up. Do you understand how wise it is to trust the one who put it all together to be the head of the church again and to lead his people again? The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's, you look up in the heavens, does it ever amaze you that this whole thing that just sort of crashed together? Who put it all there? Who set the planets in their orbit? Read the, read the psalm. He tells you who did it. We know who did it. God did it. We look out in space and we say, how does it all work? How does it keep it all from crashing together? And then we come in and we look at our own bodies and we say, what a magnificent... Well, well. What an amazing thing God has done. From the use of the hands, how does the eye work? How do we hear something because there's three bones in your ear and there's a, a little membrane that goes... How do we hear? How does the tongue work? Where is the human soul? Why do we even exist? You see how desperately... Desperately, we need Him to guide us. Because He is the one who put it all together. Lord, I pour out my heart to You. Show me Your way. Show me Your way. Show me the path You have for me. And, O oh Lord, be my guide. Be my guide. Be everything to me. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Before we leave this building here today, my question is, how will you and how will I respond to what the Spirit of God has said to us? You see, it really is goes back to this thing, uh, what's God's path for you? And are you willing to find, uh, excuse me, follow His guidance? If the Holy Spirit is speaking something to you this morning and you refuse to respond to Him, you've already made a decision. Holy Spirit, you will not be my guide. I'll be my own guide. How's He leading you today? Listen to me. It's not what's reasonable, not what really what you want to do. It's what is He saying to you today? I told you, if we're going to go the way of God, it's going to shake up our world. But we can't go the way of God without a desire also to have Him guide us. So again, I ask you, how is He guiding you today? What's He saying to you today? You understand that the invitation is not an invitation to respond to me and not an invitation to respond to this church, but an invitation to respond to how He's guiding you. Don't say you want Him to guide you, then refuse to do what He says. That is not biblical Christianity. So, I ask you to join me in prayer right now. Sincere prayer. To join the psalmist and to pour out our hearts to God and to really mean it, church. God, I need to know. Show me your way. God, show me your path. But in all this, God, guide me. I need you. I desperately need you to guide me. 
And so, God, I submit myself to the leadership of your Holy Spirit. I surrender myself to the control of your Spirit. That he would guide me in every area and every aspect of the life that you've called me to. Father, I thank you for those who are gathered here today. I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege of being here in this place. As we sang earlier, not so much just to sing a song. And not so much just to hear someone speak. But because of the promise that we're two or three gathered in your name, you're going to be there also. Because of the promise that you said you would not leave us as orphans. But you would come to us. Father, how often have we cast you aside? How often have we, have we shunned your Holy Spirit and grieved your Spirit and quenched your Spirit in our life? Because we've chosen to go our own way. We've chosen to be our own head, our own leader, our own guide. Father, bring us to the place today where we see what desperate times we're in. And how desperately we need your Holy Spirit in our life today. And Father, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, may today be the day that you speak to their heart and their life and they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Genuine biblical faith. And Lord, for your, for your people, we're going to leave this building here in just a few moments. We're going to go down the different paths that you put us on. Father, from the depths of our heart, let us be a people who desire that you guide our every step. Father, speak to your people today. Let us not leave this place without responding to you. And Father, we so desperately need to put self aside and submit ourselves to you. That's our problem. And Father, you are the solution. So let us have faith and trust in you in this hour, at this time, in Jesus' name.